Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg, editor of the Herald Times in Bloomington, along with Adam Ragusea, who's sitting in for Mary Catherine Carmichael. Today we're going to talk uh, with three people about the shortage of math teachers in Indiana. Our guests today are Kent Orr from the Indiana University Department of Mathematics, Diana Lambden from the IU School of Education, and Kira Gartel, who is a student in the Transition to Teach program. If you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. Welcome to everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for being Thank here. You. And Adam, thanks for sitting in. Thanks to be here. I know you enjoyed that it. That was a thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad to be here, and thank you. Both. All right. Thanks. It was a hybrid form of saying that. <laughs> That's good. All right. We want to frame the discussion today about, about math. and there, there, we've, I've read, several people I'm sure have read a lot about shortages of math teachers, science teachers, special ed teachers. We're going to talk about math today. Um, Diana, do you want to sort of frame this discussion? What, what, what's the problem? Well, let's talk about why there are shortages, um, increasing school populations, impending retirements, and the new government regulations for highly qualified teachers. Um, First of all, let's talk about the retirements. Uh, In 2006, a study showed that 31 percent of the math teachers in Indiana would be eligible to retire in the next five years. And in fact, 16 percent of them are already eligible and are still teaching uh, as they're eligible. The average um, teacher age for mathematics is 42.8, and we're just not um, getting enough people to replace those who are retiring and um, moving out of the the workplace. Um, The No Child Left Behind Act also has had an impact on the need for teachers. Uh, That legislation included a mandate that by July 1st, 2006, all public schools in the nation would need to employ only teachers who were quote, highly qualified. Well, what does it mean to be highly qualified? New teachers must have at least a bachelor's degree, have full certification and licensure by the state, and demonstrate competence in their subject area. And each state decides exactly how these regulations are enforced. What this means is that in Indiana, if we had teachers who had been teaching mathematics but don't meet these requirements, In 2006, they were notified that they needed to get qualified or we needed to replace them with highly qualified teachers. Mm -hmm. The highest area of needs in the state are for special education teachers, as you mentioned, but then also for mathematics, science, English as a a second language, and foreign language. So we're here today to talk about the need for mathematics teachers and a a scholarship that we have available at Indiana University that we'd like to advertise. Okay. (laughs) We can can talk – we'll certainly talk more about that. I want to follow up with a a couple of questions. Um, The teachers who are teaching math now that don't meet that new standard of being fully – what was it? Highly Highly qualified. qualified Highly qualified. Yeah. Can you describe – a teacher who maybe is doing very well teaching mathematics now but doesn't meet that standard? What, what don't they have? Well, for example, um, in many cases in middle schools, uh, grade 6, 7, 8, something like that, we have teachers who uh, are elementary qualified and may have uh, taught 6th grade and then the district redistricted and put 6th grade in the middle school. The teacher continued to teach 6th grade, but they're not qualified as a mathematics teacher at the 6th grade level. Okay. So they need to study more mathematics. They need to become highly qualified according to this definition. Okay. And then I guess uh, another follow-up question I would ask is you mentioned that mathematics teachers are an average of 42.8 years old. Yes. You said. So uh, what, are, what are younger teachers going into if they're not going into math? Is there like a glut of a certain kind of younger teacher? I don't think that we have a glut of teachers in general. Um, I think what we're looking for is people who are studying mathematics, and we'd like to convince some of them to become teachers. Okay. All right. How how does it spread across grade levels? Is there a greater shortage in secondary versus primary education? Yes. At the high school level is is really where the shortage occurs. All right. right. I want to ask Kent, who is a mathematics teacher and mathematics professor, um, with this this issue, what what kind of impact does that have, or or will this have, could this have on people who are then going to study mathematics, you know, in higher education? The the fact that uh, I guess we're 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 having a shortage of math teachers now. Do you think that this is going to have an impact in terms of a shortage of math students, qualified mathematics students who are coming to you? 
gee, I don't have an answer for your question. Oh, no. I've stumped them already. The off guard. I think the National Science Foundation is working very hard to promote mathematics, particularly among um, uh, underrepresented groups, women, minorities, and things like that, to get more people involved in uh, graduate education as well. But I also, you know, the purpose here really is to focus on the need to get people out in secondary schools. And um, uh, there's a large initiative by the National Science Foundation to understand why we don't have more teachers out there to get more mathematics professors, people in departments of mathematics as opposed to math education involved in uh, secondary teaching issues uh, and to get more of our students aware of the fact that among the many options that mathematics students have, and there are lots of them, one of the most significant and rewarding can be uh, teaching in secondary schools. Let me. I'm going to ask you an, an easier question. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't mean to catch you off guard there. That's okay. Um, how did how did you come to be a mathematics teacher? Well, were you um, just interested in it when you were younger? No, I wasn't actually. I was very little interested <laughs> in mathematics. It was only when I was in in college that I became interested in mathematics, and only after I spent quite a bit of time studying um, literature and philosophy first. Um, I was a somewhat erratic student and uh, dropped out for a semester. And when I returned, I took a, uh, an advanced mathematics course that was way out of my league. I wasn't prepared for it. And I found the material just so exciting and overwhelming that I, <laughs> it changed my life. Uh -huh. um, and from that point on, I was clearly directed towards graduate school in math and going on to become a researcher. Mm -hmm. um, so um, teaching, um, teaching was the unexpected reward. Yeah. You know, well, that well, finding out that you could have such an impact on people change their lives and, and uh, make a difference. Yeah, I, th I think um, this is how my, my mind works sometimes in trying to, to uh, wrap around the issue. But uh, I, I read a, a piece this morning about the fact that, that a lot of people who are getting into to math education or want to be a math teacher, I mean, coming in and, and Studying liberal arts, I mean, draw, finding connections between mathematics and nature and mathematics and, and you know, all sorts of other disciplines is maybe part of the reward. I mean, when you know, I think about my math teachers when I was in high school, I think about people who seem very narrowly focused on you know, the numbers that we're looking at. And I think that what we're talking about today is people who have a have sort of a broader interest, but mathematics is just one. Yeah, let one me dispel it. that illusion right away. Okay, I mean our math students <laughs> and the math education students too are among the broadest, most uh, you know, broadly interested in in science and art and uh, music, uh, philosophy, and oh, more than anything else, music. I mean, some of our best students in the math department and probably in the math ed school as well are uh, deeply involved in music. Many very fine musicians. In fact. Uh, the math department is going to be having, uh, hopefully in the spring, a talent show for just for no other reason than to bring our students together and uh, get them to show off their talents and have fun and great, create a, a larger community. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's, uh, that's incited. That idea has been sparked by the recognition of just how broad our students are. So I think that that's an absolute false um, uh, stereotype. I think it's completely off base and I think that, uh, I think that that's something that uh, we want – people out there in the community to know and I think that bringing in teachers into the secondary schools who are genuinely love mathematics and genuinely understand mathematics is going to help in that goal. Mm -hmm. These aren't people who are just focused on one and only one thing. Well, Cantino, I hate to be the guy to bring it all to money, but uh, <laughs> is there data available on the kinds of incomes that people with bachelor's degrees in mathematics from Indiana University can expect and how that compares to the incomes earned by secondary high school math teachers? Maybe um, you can – I don't have the data on what typical um, math majors out, who go into fields outside of, um, outside of secondary education uh, start, what starting salaries are typically like. I suspect that uh, they're a little higher than they are in math education. I think, Diana, you might mm -hmm. have some information on secondary education. But, there, but I want to emphasize that one of the great things about secondary education are the benefits as well, which are huge. These people, I mean, the benefits to secondary education teachers, what they, uh, you know, the uh, tenure, among other things, you know, which means permanent job security, um, 
health care, other things are very high, that this is a community of people that's uh, rich and, and yeah. involved with each other. I, I don't think anyone goes into teaching because they think they're going to get rich. So let, let's um, admit the, the fact that uh, teaching is not a, a high-paying job. Uh, but I think the rewards are there, as, as Kent was saying, um, to be able to help others, to have time to pursue some other interests. Um, teachers work hard. They work long hours. They off, also uh, often have summer work to do with curriculum and may be paid extra for that. But they have time to spend on other um, activities. I wonder if Kira can tell us why she would choose to go into teaching um, when she could do other things with her mathematics degree. Absolutely. Um, well, I just always... I always had an interest in teaching, even though I had a, I received my bachelor's degree in mathematics. I wasn't really sure where I was going with that, but um, always sort of had an inkling to go towards education. Um, I just wanted to share my love of math for with with the kids of today, and um, and that's a fantastic <laughs> phrase. Can you expand define your love of math? Define my love of math. Um, well, I think math. Um, Math is a way of communication almost. You know, math is, is a universal language and, and anyone, I think, can understand, can understand math. And if given the right opportunities, I think a lot of math teachers do a disservice to math today with the way it's taught. I've been in a, a lot of different classrooms and seen a lot of different <laughs> varieties of te- teaching methods. And um, I can, in some of them, I can understand why um, why so many people struggle with math. I mean, there's there's so many people who struggle with math and don't understand why it's so important to learn and how it, you know, can explain the world almost. Mm-hmm. But uh, so, so I just want to go in there and, and try and change that view of how math is perceived in the world. I think one of the most fundamental reasons you want to have highly qualified uh, math students go on and teach is because they have a passion for mathematics. And, uh, you know, that passion is always contagious. But I can tell you that passion in mathematics is particularly the case. People people who discover they spend their life playing games and and working puzzles, they they play around with a Rubik's Cube, and they discover because they have a talented math teacher who knows something about mathematics that it's mathematics they're learning, Mm -hmm. that mathematics, the Rubik's Cube is about math. It's about a whole subject called group theory. And there's a, a you know, and they've had training in those things, and they can tell those students something about it, make them realize what's exciting. Those students get excited, and that excitement, uh, that that excitement just, uh, what do you say? It grows. It's it disseminates out into the community. It multiplies. And, it multiplies. <laughs> you got it. The word I'm looking for, and. And, you know, you want people who know about math out there teaching mathematics who really know the subject because they're going to generate that enthusiasm and they're going to make those students understand why it is that they should be excited about what they're learning. All right. Our phone numbers today, 855-0811-877-285-9348. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. We're talking about the shortage of math teachers with uh, Kent Orr, who's from the Indiana University Department of Mathematics, Diana Lambden from the IU School of Education, and Kira Gartel, who's a student in the Transition to Teach program. Kira, I want to talk a little bit more about you know why about the, the program that you're in and how you got involved with it. Um, well, the Transition to Teach program is a one-year program. It's a graduate program um, for people who already have a bachelor's degree in the subject area that they want to teach. For me, that was math, um, but there are people in the program um, for in all different disciplines and sciences and English languages. Um, and it's for people who who maybe didn't know at first they wanted to go into teaching but um, and got their degree in, the, in their content area, um, decided they wanted to go into teaching a one-year program. They'll get their certificate, um, their teaching certificate, and be able to teach in, the, in secondary schools. Mm-hmm. Did you go directly into the program after your... Um, I did not. I actually um, took three years off, um, not necessarily on purpose, but um, <laughs> um, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do when I graduated. I um, had a few different jobs and realized that I was sort of always leaning towards the education field. Um, I worked in a, a GED classroom helping people get their um, their high school equivalency diploma and um, and realized that 
you know, the classroom was where I wanted to be. I also did a lot of substitute teaching, and after doing that for a while, I realized that I didn't want to sub anymore. I wanted to have control of the classroom and, mm-hmm. and actually become a teacher. And so, so I realized that to do that, I needed to go back to school. Unfortunately, I wasn't looking forward to that aspect of it. But, um, but with this program, it's a one-year program. You take your, your education pr- classes. Um, there's also a lot of time spent in doing field experience in an actual classroom. You do 10 weeks of student teaching, which I'll be starting in the spring. Um, Where? Where? Um, I, in Mooresville. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of a drive, but yeah. it's, it's not too bad. There's a few of us going uh-huh. all together, so we get to carpool. And... Um, um, so, yeah, so we'll be, in May I'll be done. I'll have my certificate, and I'll be able to teach, hopefully, if I get a job in, in the schools next year. Yeah, sounds like you'll be able to get one in math. Yeah, yeah. yeah hopefully. Okay. And I was, um, you know, very fortunate. I had been looking to go back to school. I was sort of procrastinating. I knew I needed to, to in order to, to go in. And then I found this the scholarship, the NOICE scholarship, that pretty much pays for all of my schooling plus a little bit. And uh, that sort of gave me the motivation to actually apply and go back to school and do what I wanted to do. May I, may I emphasize that our noise scholars, they're a really select group of people and they're really great future teachers. Can I mean, you tell, they have, tell us more about the program? Well, uh, the program the program has two parts. Uh-huh. Uh, one is aimed at our undergraduate math majors. It, uh, it pays uh, up to two years of support, uh, up to $9,150 per year. So that's a total of over $18,000 of support. Uh, for students who are math majors, to get a mathematics degree and simultaneously to get certification for teaching. Um, so these are highly qualified you know, math students and also they have the vision of the liberal arts education because they're coming through the College of Arts and Sciences with a liberal arts education and they're getting also a thorough treatment from the School of Education and Math Education. The people who are experts about how people learn mathematics are teaching them how to go out and use that knowledge and teach mathematics. So these are highly qualified people. They're great students and, and uh, you know, for those people out there in the schools who are looking to people to hire, I really want you to keep an eye on our noise scholars. They're really. You know, They're going to be in high demand. Let me tell you. They're going to be in high demand. That's right. And so the second part of the program is a graduate program. These are for people who already have a math degree or the equivalent, and that pays ten thousand dollars for a one-year intensive postgraduate program to obtain teaching certification, which includes their field work, going out in student teaching. Um, so it's it's pretty intense. It's a full twelve-month program. It pays them a lot of money. Twelve uh, ten thousand dollars for that. Uh, and uh, they come out of that not only with their math degree but with certification to teach. All right. And Diana, could you uh, sort of take me back to the to how the university got these noise scholarships? Who funds these? The, the National Science Foundation offers these these scholarships, and colleges and universities around the country can uh, write a, a grant and apply. And we have to describe our teacher education program. What is it that the students will be doing? Uh, how will we support them in becoming teachers? What types of experiences in the schools will we provide for them? And how will we follow up um, with them after they've graduated and received their certification and uh, are working? One stipulation of uh, the NOICE Awards is that the teachers must teach uh, two years for each year of support in a high-need district. And a high-need district is defined um, one of three ways. One, it could be a district that's high poverty. That is, it has above a certain percentage of students on free and reduced lunch. Or two, it could be a district that has teachers who are teaching out of field. That's those, those teachers on the emergency permits. They weren't able to find teachers who were highly qualified, so they needed to hire uh, people out of field. Uh, a certain percent of those would qualify the district to be a high-need district. And third, it could be a district that has uh, all the teachers they need, but they've had rapid turnover. And so every year they're finding new teachers and trying to put them in. Mm-hmm. So Kira will be required to teach two years in a high-need district to pay back the one year of uh, noise support that she's received. Okay. It so- sounds as if these uh, there was a competition for these no- the, the, the finances, the money from the That's noise right. scholarships. That's so right. How many universities around the country, do you have any idea how many have noise I, I think there are quite a few. For example, uh-huh. IUPUI, our sister mm-hmm. campus, has a um, – uh, similar program for science teachers, mm-hmm. and they've just received a second award for math and science teachers. So they're also um, offering these types of scholarships, and they're placing most of their students in the Indianapolis public schools, which mm-hmm. have high, high need for teachers. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So there are quite a few, but I think that it's also highly competitive. Um, the government is trying to work very hard throughout the country to support people to become mathematics and science teachers. Mm-hmm. In our case, the, the grants are only for mathematics teachers. Okay. All right. Yeah. Kira, where do you think you might teach? Um, I'm not sure um, right now. Um, I'm hoping to find a place that's not – I live in Bloomington, so hopefully that's not too far away. I mean I might have to go up to, to IPS, to, Indian, to Indianapolis, but um, I think there are some, some districts that qualify that are closer than that. So, um, but I, I'm pretty sure – I'm also um, in a few – I do plan on staying here for a few years, um, but then um, I plan on moving back to the southwest, which is where I'm from, um, and I can also do my um, – I can do the two years there. So if I move back to Phoenix, there are, I'm sure there are numerous districts in Phoenix that are, are high-needs districts. Right. So our students are not required to teach in the state of Indiana for having received this award. They can go out of state. And I emphasize the three ways that a district can qualify because I don't want people to misunderstand and think that it needs to be an urban, poor district. These could be um, rural districts. There are a lot of, of different districts that qualify. Right. I think at some point, even Monroe County schools qualified because of the such, such a high turnover, people moving in and out of Bloomington all the mm-hmm. time. Um, and we do have up to six years to do to do those two years of um, of working in a high news district. So if I can, I can work a few years here, and then if I move back to Phoenix or wherever I end up moving to, I can I can find a job there. I think the, the National Science Foundation has shown remarkable um, uh, foresight in this idea. I mean, there's lots of rewards to teaching in high needs schools, and many people who just if they just try it, they'll discover that this is where they belong and this is where they can make a difference. What this is doing is it's giving sort of a no lose option for people. They get all this money, they get to go into those high needs schools and spend a couple of years and find out if it's something that would be meaningful to them. And I think many people who do that will discover that's right. That's the right thing for them. And uh, those that don't, you know, there's tons of jobs right now for secondary teachers. Uh, particularly secondary teachers in the uh, in the STEM area, science, technology, education, and mathematics. So um, this is a great idea. I think they showed remarkable wisdom. Yeah. We're going to talk more about this after our break, but we've actually hit halftime in the show already. So you guys are doing a, a great job in explaining uh, the, the issue and the problem, and we're going to come back and talk about how people can get more involved in this and how you know, people can apply if they want to, to be involved in the program. Uh, you're listening to Noon Edition. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home office and garage, using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2 owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. And from South Dunn Street Project, represented by Brian Lappin Real Estate, classic bungalow-inspired architecture in the Bryan Park neighborhood of Bloomington, www.southdunnstreet.info. Volunteers are needed for the Salvation Army's annual Christmas assistance distribution to needy Monroe County families, help with packing gift bags needed through the 18th, and creating food baskets on the 19th. American Red Cross gift baskets are now available. Basket contents include several locally made food items and a Red Cross coffee mug. Proceeds support local Red Cross disaster relief and education programs. And the Community Kitchen is seeking community support to help with its efforts to provide a traditional Christmas Day meal. Food donations and financial contributions may be made to the facility. Those interested in delivering meals to the homebound are invited to contact them as well. Their number 876-3383. Welcome back to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times along with Adam Ragusea from WFIU. Today we're talking about the shortage of math teachers in Indiana and actually throughout the country. Kent Orr is here with us. He's from the Indiana University Department of Mathematics. Diana Lambden is here from the IU School of Education. And Kira Gartel is here. She's a student in the Transition to Teach program. Uh, She has a Noyce Fellowship. Yes. 
you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. Or you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. And we do have an email. Absolutely. Here's what it says. It says, I vividly remember a teacher-parent night I attended a few years ago at one of the local high schools. I stopped in my son's calculus teacher's room and asked, how is he doing? And he said, oh, don't you know, he's the only student that we have, that we've had in years who has never missed a calculus test item. Um, I, went ho- I, went, I went right home and asked my son, why haven't you considered a career in teaching math or math-related field? He said, I've never met a mathematician who is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I translated this answer as a problem with the relevancy of the curriculum. What does the university and the local schools do for students who are talented and have the potential to go on to a career in mathematics? Now, you know, I just met Kent today, but Kent today, but he seems pretty interesting. <laughs> and Kira certainly is interesting. Absolutely. Maybe Kent can tell us about the mathematics right. department and their math club. And, uh, yeah. um, well, you know, we have a lot of math majors for such, you know, it's, we teach a lot of students. We have a fair number of math majors and they all love mathematics. So I'm not sure why this person isn't finding interesting teachers out there. I certainly meet a lot of them. Um, we have a very active math program. We have four majors. Uh, we have an applied math major. We have a theoretical mathematics major. We have a mathematics econ major. Uh, we have a bachelor of arts degree, which is a, a liberal arts education with a mathematics emphasis. And uh, we, we uh, so the students have a lot of options. There's a lot of interaction, a lot of double majors. People have majors in other departments. We have people interested in the business school. We have some people doing a second degree in, in, in music, people in philosophy, people in various sciences. These are people with a lot of broad interests. Um, and uh, we have an active math club. It's a terrific math club. They bring in speakers all over the place to give talks on exciting mathematics topics. And they get very worked up about it. Uh, uh, and they often get involved in undergraduate research. In fact, Indiana University has a research education and undergraduate program whose goal is to get, uh, get talented college students throughout the state interested in research in mathematics. And they come during a summer and get paid quite a bit of money to spend a month or I think maybe it's even eight weeks during the summer getting involved in a mathematics research project. So um, there are a lot of initiatives we have in the math department to try to get people interested in mathematics and understanding it in a broader context and recognizing that it's something you can be excited about. As to this... This parent's experience in the classroom, I, I, I don't know what to say. I almost want to apologize. I just don't know exactly what I can do <laughs> except to go to my students and try to get them excited about mathematics. And I think that's part of the point of this nice initiative. Again, coming back to what we really want to talk about is that we're getting people with strong math degrees out there, people with a lot of background in mathematics out there teaching in the classroom. And these are people who aren't going to give the types of responses this person gets. These are going to be interesting people. Mm-hmm. Could you, for for those folks out there who may still have these misconceptions, talk about some of the relationships that how math relates to art or or music? For Funny, instance. it's a it's a hard one to answer, um, but we all feel it when we're involved in mm-hmm. math. Uh, you know, mathematics is not really about numbers. Not that numbers aren't there. It's about it's about discovering patterns in the world, discovering how things are related to each other. Uh, it's about experiment and guessing and wondering might would be true and then trying to go out and show it's true, build a, build a proof out of it and explain why certain things are true. Um, and uh, I'm sorry. Repeat your question. Well, let me try <laughs> related related to music, for right. instance. So, well, you know, there's been strong ties over the years in uh, musical ability and and um, uh, in mathematics interest and talent. Uh, the uh, the information for me is mostly anecdotal. We have tons of students in the music school who just get very excited about mathematics, and many of many of our math majors, our best strongest math majors, are students who are actually doing music performance degrees. Uh, there's certainly uh, there's a math. I think there's a mathematician at Princeton University who has a quite elaborate website about mathematics and music with some beautiful vision visionary things, pictures of things, movies and things that play to emphasize certain types of of connections between math and music, uh, math and art. We actually taught a course about mathematics and art just a few years ago. I don't know when we'll teach it again, but I think it was successful. I think it was a good course taught by uh, Professor Lindenstrauss in our department. 
um, mathematics is clearly tied into finance and business. We have a number of students involved in the LAMP program at the university. Uh, we have a lot of students involved in the business school as well. A lot of business students come in and get math minors because mathematics is one of those fields that's useful everywhere. Well, let's build on that a little bit. Of all of these folks who are coming into the math program and getting math degrees at IU or anywhere else, if they're not going into high school teaching, what are they doing? Well, I mean, I think there's tons of options for people in mathematics, although I think the point is to emphasize that there's one that too many people are overlooking, which is hugely rewarding. Uh, briefly, let me make that as quickly as I can because it's not what the point is. I don't need to, to build up mathematics. I think most everyone believes it's useful that there are jobs out there. Um, people like to hire smart people. And there's an aura about mathematics. Maybe it's in physics. It's in a few other subjects that if you're a mathematics student, you're smart. And people just want to hire them. So there are tons of jobs for people in mathematics. But really, this is about the fact that there's an overlooked profession out there, which is among the most rewarding they can find. Uh, it's one that offers lots of opportunities. It's one that's being overlooked. It's one where there's a huge need. And when there's need, that drives up everything. It drives up uh, the quality of teachers. It drives up, it drives up uh, salaries. And you know, I think it's a very promising place to be right now. And um, as we, talk, as we talk about the need, I'm not sure we've really defined how critical it is. Diana, do you, do you um, are there numbers? Like what, what, what kind of shortages are we going to be seeing? And well, I have some numbers here somewhere, but I, I, I think the, the point is that we need, perhaps for this, this person who wrote the email, we need people who are really passionate about mathematics to get into the field of uh, mathematics education, as well as just to fill the classrooms. We need to fill them with people who are highly qualified and who are... Um, who love the subject. Mm -hmm. So th that's what we're about. Um, we want to attract mathematics majors to think about teaching. Uh, and we want to attract people who might want to change careers. Um, so our transition to teaching program, as Kira described, is for anyone who uh, may already have a degree in some subject and wants to become a teacher, wants to change uh, directions. They could be right out of undergraduate or they could be uh, retired. And uh, we, we have people of all ages in that program and of all majors. Um, so English teachers, uh, social studies teachers, science teachers. Uh, but we'd like to see more mathematics teachers in our transition to teaching program. Well, I think, um, you know, as, uh, this relates to Adam's question. I think if there are a lot of math uh, graduates who are moving on into other professions, then you're trying to recruit some of them to come back too, I would assume. Mm -hmm. they, have, they have their math degree already like Kira did and then she right. worked for three years someplace mm -hmm. else. Uh, what kind of outreach do you do to try, besides radio shows like this, <laughs> to, try to, to try to persuade people to take that math degree even if they've been out for five years doing something else and bring it back into the classroom? Mm -hmm. Well, we, we've sent out mailings. We've, um, you know, let word of mouth. This is what they've found out from these these uh, noise scholarships nationwide. I was on a conference call with over eighty different universities the other week, where they were discussing their strategies for recruitment, their successes, their difficulties, and so on. And uh, radio shows like this, mailings, posters, uh, career fairs, all of those things are ways that we try to recruit. But what we've uh, heard is the most effective is word of mouth. So if you're listening out there and you're not a mathematics major, but you know someone who might have studied mathematics or some related field, um, we're looking for people like that. If they don't already have a degree in mathematics, um, we look at the coursework that they do have and recommend how much additional mathematics they might need to study in order to have what's required, that is, the degree in mathematics or its equivalent. Mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a really good point. So that there are folks who may have not been a math major but had taken a lot of math in school and they, they listen to this and they say, hey, this sounds like a real exciting opportunity. So it might not take them a year to get – it, to get totally certified. But. They, they might need to study some mathematics before they begin in the education portion of, of the program. But we have trained advisors both in the mathematics department and in the School of Education who can meet with those people, who can advise them, examine their transcript, and let them know what it would take to qualify for this scholarship. Yeah, so it's not black and white. It's people can – people just have to think about what their own background is and if they're excited about this possibility, then they can – you can probably work with them. That's right. So right. It, could, it could be people who had been trained in science, engineering, finance, 
those types of people, we, we'd be uh, thrilled to look at their transcripts. Mm-hmm. In fact, we're, yeah, we're very eager to talk to more people and people who would like to uh, make an appointment to talk to me or to our undergraduate advisor, Jim Brown. Uh, Jim Brown's phone number is 812-855-1589. His email is jaebrown at indiana.edu. And again, my name is Kent, and my phone number is 812-855-8019. And my email address is korr at indiana.edu. Please let us know if you're interested. We want to know. We want to get the information out to you so that you can make an intelligent decision if this is what you want. Right. 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 You've got to find out what the options are and really what you want to do. And we give us a chance to tell you. We can make an appointment. Come in to see us. Okay. We have a phone call. Let's go to the phones. And Andy's on the line. Andy? Hi, how are we doing? Good. What's your question? Okay. Uh, the question is uh, uh, more of a recruitment question for uh, sort of long-term aspect. Uh, uh, what kind of recruitments are you doing for, uh, for high school-level students that are thinking of, of trying to pick something uh, before they go into college? I have a, uh, a daughter uh, who is a uh, junior in high school right now. And she's trying to decide on what exactly she wants to do, which schools to go to, and and what exactly she wants to try and major in. Um, you know, it, it would seem to me that uh, you know it doesn't help in the short term, but it certainly will help in the long term uh, if we can get more of these students interested in in math from the beginning levels of this. Uh, I think there's a, a perception with with uh, high school uh, students that are thinking about going to college is, you know, geez, I, I, math's probably the last thing I want to get into <laughs> because I'm not taking the right courses or I'm going to have to take, you know, huge amounts of, of math classes that are much more advanced than, than I think that I can take, uh, or at least that's what my daughter is, is thinking at this point. And I just wanted to hear your comments. Well, I'd like her to come in and see us. Are you in the state of Indiana? <laughs> Uh, yes, we are. Well, uh, make an about appointment. About 20 miles south of you in Bedford. That's great. Make an appointment and come on in to visit with us. It can be in the summer. It can be during the fall, the spring, rather. But come in and visit us and give us a chance to get to know you. We'll tell you all about uh, about the math department. We'll show you around. We'll answer your questions. We'll meet your daughter and find out what's really important and interesting to her. She can make her own decision after that. She'll see the campus. It's a, such a beautiful campus here. Um, and, uh, you know, she'll find out what sort of options are for her, not only in mathematics, but she might want to go over and talk with math education as well and find out what they're doing over there and whether or not a career in a teacher is what she – as a mathematics teacher might be interesting to her. I think the university on their website has a place, at least for the summer, where you can register to visit the university. Is this correct? Do you know? I'm, I'm not sure where I believe, is. but I don't know where it is. But I believe you go to the university website, uh, IUB dot, uh, iub.edu. Indiana University Bloomington edu iub. I think you'll find there uh, some sort of links around that tell you would you like to visit the university, and they'll work out tours for you and places to go and things to do, so you can get a better feel with larger feel of what the university is like as well. Kira, I think this you, is summer. Kira, you Very touched good. on this earlier. How, how did you make that decision? Um, well, I, and I always had an interest in math when I was in high school. I had some great teachers. Um, actually, when I went to college, I didn't really know what I was going to do. I was an undecided major for several years. I actually thought I was going to be a Spanish major. I, I ended up getting, having a Spanish minor. Um, but I just kept on taking math classes because they were interesting. I and um, ended up with a, <laughs> with a math degree. And um, so, so, yeah, it wasn't really any spe- one specific thing. That uh, led me towards mathematics. It it sounds like Andy's daughter is a little bit worried that uh, the high school coursework that she's doing in Bedford isn't really going to prepare her for college. Was that your experience? Um, I think think that's a big – I think that is a big concern uh, as far as as, – and and it's not, you know, saying that the – you know, North Lawrence is is any better or worse (laughs) than anything else as much as, you know, uh, it's not – Generally, when you think of a math na- major, you're thinking of, uh, you know, some child right. that's taken, you know, calculus their senior year of, of high school, and it's like, geez, Dad, I really don't think I want that to do that. <laughs> right, and, and, and having a math major is very intensive, and, and you do have to have a love for it, and not that you have to um, be amazing in high school, but I think that... Um, 
that if if she even if she shows some interest in it, even if she's not taking calculus at you know, start taking calculus when she gets to college, see if she's interested in it and and just sort of go from there. The mathematics department is very good at placing students where they belong. Uh, first of all, I would recommend the uh, advanced college program, the ACP classes at the uh, local schools. If there's one being taught there, uh, that might be a great way for her to prepare herself. They often teach calculus or finite mathematics at uh, And those are the courses where schools. they get college and credit get for college taking it credit. in the high school. That's right. That's and, right. And, and they're taught by teachers who have been trained by Indiana University. That's right. That's right. We have an active program. Uh, Alan Edmonds runs it to uh, to uh, uh, train, train, train new teachers in the program and – and uh, to uh, be, get, get mathematicians out there in the classrooms to visit classes and find what's going on, to make mm-hmm. a community of teachers among these people in the AC program. But those students who enter our program also take a um, – they, they take an introductory test to find out where they belong. And we put them in the right math classes for them. And we certainly have students who come in and have not had calculus in high school but go on and do very successfully in mathematics majors. It's probably true that most of our math majors have had some calculus in high school, but I, we have some strong successes other than that. Okay. And I think one of the most important things to start encouraging um, kids in high school to be interested in math is to have great teachers, and that's what the North program is trying to do, Absolutely. is to, to get those good teachers into the classrooms who encourage students like your daughter, Andy, who... Um, to to go into mathematics as well, so it's it's very cyclical. You you want the teachers to to get more teachers to get more people interested in math, and and so it's sort of a cycle. In fact, I, I want to advertise our our website for the Noyce Scholarship. That's www.noyce n o y c e dot education dot indiana dot edu. And if you go there, you'll be able to click and see the bi- uh, brief biographies of all of our noise scholars. And I'm just looking over them here and I see that um, most of them say that it was teachers who uh, inspired them to think about becoming teachers. Um, so we need to get more um, enthusiastic teachers out there so that we can uh, encourage more students to become teachers. Diana, would you read that website address again? www.noyce.education.indiana.edu. All the information about the Noyce scholarships are there. Uh, so if, if you're finding your interest piqued by this program, I hope you'll visit our website and take a look. All right. Good. Thanks. Right. Thanks a lot. Thank you very much. All right. Thank you. Thanks You're for welcome. the call. All right. Our phone number is again 855-0811-877-285-9348. And you can send your email to noon at indiana.edu. You just it reminded me, I, I went into to journalism, which of course I and I was an English major in college because of an English teacher I had in high school. I mean right. the the experience you have with your high school teachers can make a huge difference in the direction of, of your life. So Adam? Well, I think that the tenor of our conversation has implied this, but uh, it's my understanding that the applicant pool for the Noyce scholarships has been smaller than one might expect, given what a terrific opportunity it seems to be for people like Kira. Our applicant pool has been uh, terrific people, but not as many as we have the funds to give away. And so that's why we're here saying we want more of these terrific people to apply. Kent, you you have the numbers. Uh, Yeah, what I want to emphasize is it's not so much that we don't have enough applicants. It's that we've got a lot of awards. The National (laughs) Science Foundation. That's right. The National Science Foundation has a serious initiative here. Let's get good teachers out in the classrooms. They're very involved in that. So we have – I have it written down here – we have roughly 25 more awards to give away in the next two years. So that's at roughly $10,000 a year and some of these awards are two-year awards. So we're talking about a lot of money and a lot of awards. We're going to put out a lot of great teachers. Mm-hmm. Now, how, Kira, how, how many are with you with the Noyce Scholarship at this point? Um, right now, um, well, this was the first year for the program. There mm-hmm. were there were five five, uh, five recipients of the award. Two in the graduate school with me, m- uh-huh. myself, and one other who's in the transition to teach program, mm-hmm. and then three undergrads. Do you, do you support one another? Do you get together at all? Um, yeah, we've had we've had a dinner or two, mm-hmm. and uh, and we are connected with different um, teachers in the community. Um, sort of mentor teachers that we can go and talk to about whatever issues we have and just to, to also to observe their classrooms, sort of another another person that we can have touch base with about issues in, in the teaching field and, yeah. and just that we can learn from. 
So in the program, it sounds as if the program, obviously, there's a great financial uh, incentive mm-hmm. to be involved in the program. But it also sounds like there there are other advantages to being in the program, this mentoring. And, oh, definitely. You know, definitely. You talk a little bit about you know, how the whole thing works together? I mean, what what it means to you to be a noise fellow? <laughs> well, it's all very new. I mean, obviously, I mean, the, um, we received the scholarship with helps, which helps, um, helps financially. Um, you know, I don't have to worry about having a second job or anything like that, and so that's very helpful. Um, but, yeah, and then having the community of the other teachers who all have this passion for math um, but also a passion for teaching um, because there aren't a lot of people like that out there. And so it's good to have those other people to sort of, you know, to talk to. Mm-hmm. Another thing that this Noise Scholarship has done has been to uh, further cement the relationships between the mathematics department and the School mm-hmm. of Education. So uh, Kent and I see each other a lot more since we have this Noise Scholarship <laughs> opportunity. And uh, I, I'm in the mathematics department to meet with other mathematicians. He comes to the School of Education, and then we meet with our Noise Scholars. So I think that uh, a community is is growing up because of this opportunity. Yeah. Uh, the When we when those involved in this grant uh, first met to discuss uh, what it would be and how we would promote it and what would make it special, I think the primary thing we kept on asking ourselves is what can we do to create a community among our noise scholars? What can we do to make this something lasting so that they both know each other and talk to each other? But also when they go out in the field, they have other people they've worked with that they can email and talk to and phone and learn about the things and share their experiences with teaching. So this has been a fundamental thing. Make it personal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that in all teaching, and uh, Diana, of course, you know this much better than I, but teachers who have networks of people they can talk with and bounce things off of uh, are often more successful probably That's right. than others. So. That's right. Mm-hmm. And and that is a, uh, an aspect that I'd like to emphasize of, of our education uh, programs in general, not just for the noise scholars, and that is that they all involve uh, – Extensive experience in schools, working with actual classroom teachers, getting to know what it is to be a teacher in the school and meeting teachers, then those are people that they often keep in touch with after they've graduated, when they get their own job. You have those mentor teachers that you uh, can communicate with and email with and get back with. And we hope to be there as well for our North Scholars once they're out there teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, are there other programs, other incentives to try to encourage people to get into math math education or we could go back to, to STEM, science, technology, engineering and mathematics and um, are there programs that are encouraging people to go that, that direction? There are a variety of programs around, around the country and um, some that are just being discussed here in the state of Indiana and not ready, I think, to be rolled out yet. One that I could mention, though, and that is the Knowles Science Teaching Foundation. That's K-N-O-W-L-E-S. Um, this is a, a national award. Uh, it provides money fellowships for up to five years for people similar to Kira who want to go back and to become math or science or engineering teachers. They need to already have the degree in their subject field. The deadline for applications is January 14th. This is not a scholarship that we, um, that we have anything to do with, but that we'd like to encourage people could also apply for that. And I think that you could look for their website, which is www.kstf. That's Knowles. Uh, science Teaching Foundation, kstf.org. Mm-hmm. Um, that looks like a terrific one with five years of support, uh, instructional material support, room board and travel expenses for summer professional development, all kinds of things. The need is out there. And so there are um, n- more and more ways to support people to become teachers. In the remaining five minutes of the program, I'm wondering if we could broaden the conversation out a little bit, uh, also talk a little bit at the federal level. We mentioned at the top of the program part of the part of the reasons that we're having this, would you even characterize it as a crisis yet or it depends on school districts? Uh, but the shortage is partly, partly the result of that highly qualified teacher language, which is in No Child Left Behind, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, how should that frame the, the national debate about No Child Left Behind as that legislation gets renewed and shaped over the coming years? Well, I I think the concern uh, often comes from uh, 
the news that we get that our students are not competitive in mathematics or in science internationally and nationally, and that's why No Child Left Behind is this impetus to be sure that we provide the most qualified teachers. Um, I, I think that um, it's important that we do get highly qualified teachers. I think the definitions are, are not bad, that we require that they have um, the content knowledge as well as the knowledge about how to teach. Um, and there are some difficulties with the No Child Left Behind legislation that we could discuss perhaps another, another time. It takes a program. I'm <laughs> right. <sure>. right. <laughs> but uh, perhaps I should mention the good news and that is that Indiana's um, students in general are doing better than the national average in mathematics and science um, in terms of the national assessment of educational progress and in terms of uh, comparing with the international um, uh, assessments such as TIMS, uh, Indiana's math and science performance does measure up. Uh, in fact, our um, fourth grade science students uh, took part in the international study and ended up ninth in the world. So if, if they had been a country of their own, they would have been, been ninth. The, <laughs> the mathematics, the mathematics um, scores are also um, pretty good for, for Indiana. So it's not that we're doing so badly, but we need more people. Uh, we have this, this uh, um, initiative in the state of Indiana for life sciences. Um, IU is participating in that and trying to encourage more people to go into all the science fields, engineering, mathematics, science. Um, and so it's a cyclical thing. We need more teachers to produce more students to come to college to become the new scientists and mathematicians. I'm going to try to slide in one more quick phone call. We have Ellen on the line. Ellen, we only have about a minute to go. Yes. I wondered, um, I have a grandson who is in the eighth grade and is one of two students in his school that are going over to a high school for a math class. And I wondered how, what summer camps or summer things to do. I didn't, maybe you've already said that. There are things that he's really interested in math, but he's also in, involved in sports. But, uh, I would really like to know what he could do or what we could do to help him um, encourage him in his math interest. And I'll take it off the air. Thank you. All right. Thank Thanks. you. Do you have any, any answers to that? Quick time? answers. Uh, Very quick. Let, yeah. me, let me just ask you to send me an email at korr at indiana.edu, <laughs> and I'll get better answers for you. I'll try to find out more for you what's available at that age. Uh, That's a perfect answer. <laughs> there are certainly uh, programs at various uh, universities. I don't have particulars that are aimed at getting uh, high school students uh, involved in – uh, a little closer to mathematical research and, and to more advanced things. There's lots of, lots of mathematics. Lots of high school teachers are taking courses at the university here and, and uh, many of them are st extraordinary students. Uh, but please send me that email and okay. I'll get answers for you. All right. We are out of time. I want to thank Kent Orr for being here as well as Diana Lambden and Kira Gartell. For Adam Ragusea, producer Catherine Hageman and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at wfiu.org.